It's the Breaking Atoms podcast. We break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, a.k.a. the failed homo sapien. And my name is Chris Mitchell, a.k.a. the actual factual. Yeah, man. Listen, right. It's one of those episodes. I say that every episode, so I'm not going to say it again. We got Kathy Dolly on the podcast. Come on. She's talking about her book, Baby Girl, Better Known as Aaliyah. It's incredible. It's a great book. It's a great read for people who, who are fans of Aaliyah, who are fans of music, um, and want to celebrate um, the the life of Valia. This is incredible. This is a really, I've I really enjoyed having this conversation with Kathy. Yeah, it's we, um, we j- to me it was like you know when you, it's good when you meet up with people, and you can laugh and you can joke and you can do all that stuff. But there's there's a term we use in my community we call reasoning, where you can sit down and break break stuff down and have serious, fulfilling, reflective conversations. And there, I feel like that's what this was. And um, I've got a lot to think about in a good way. A yeah, lot to think there's, about. Um, there's, something, there's something quite incredible about the way in which Kathy breaks down situation, circumstances. She breaks down things like Jadakiss raps. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's poignant, it's simple, but it's super deep. Um, I would suggest anyone that listens to this episode really read listen to between the lines right don't listen to our questions listen to what kathy's saying because there's so much weight behind what she's saying every word listen to that because man fucking love this episode bro yeah i mean i can't say it any better myself i think this is definitely going to be one of those episodes where you know you you go under the hood of music and even though it's through a music lens i would hope that people hear this interview and think about what they can apply to their lives in order to become a better, more productive human. Facts. Absolute facts. So let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Kathy Iandoli, Breaking Atoms Podcast. Check it out. It's a special episode of the Breaking Atoms Podcast. And I know I sound very DJ MV-esque when I say that. And we have a lot of legends we, you know, talk to a lot of rappers, producers. When it comes to journalistic royalty, legends in journalism, there's only a fair few that we can kind of attribute that title to. And one of those people is Kathy Iandoli, who is a respected journalist who's been in the game for a very long time, but also a published author, a serial mic dropper, word to Aini Kamozi. Um, has an extensive love affair with Halsey and her Instagram stories as something to behold. She's here to talk to us about Baby Girl, the story of Aaliyah. Thank you very much for joining us, Kathy. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> how, do you feel, how do you feel about that as a, you know, all my intros are freestyles, yeah. right? These are all off the top of the I dome. Mean, I don't, I don't, I. You were like supernatural with the freestyles of that one. Oh. Wow. Wow, I've been rapping for 20 years and I've never been compared to Supernatural. Thank Journalist, you, Thank right? You. Wow. I'm like, she's ballsy. Check out her IG story. She loves Halsey, you know, like whatever. See? You, know, you need to be a rapper. You should do a podcast where you rap the entire time. Even your questions have to be in rhyming style like KRS-One. No, no, it's not going to happen. Okay, fine, fine. 
fine, fine. Let's get to what we're here to do. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, baby girl, this is listen. I I really enjoyed reading it. Yeah, thank you. Yes, and I have in the background too as oh, well. Oh, love for, it! And there's got to say the queens the, behind it. Yes, thank yes, you. yes. You take all my money, and I hate <laughs> you for that. Um, you just have to stop making me do that. Okay, I don't have much money left. Stop! You know, I'll send you whatever is, you want. <laughs> no, no, no. I like buying it. But um, all right, the book. I read. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think, um, on a serious note, the way in which you craft a Leah story and there's a lot to it mm-hmm. is admirable. By the time I got to like the end, the four-page letter chapter, and as we get to the end, I got really sad. Yeah. Because it just makes me... The thing about Aaliyah that, you know, I'm not the biggest Aaliyah fan in the world, admittedly. I love her music. I I grew I up, I, I remember where I was and all those things, but there are probably more bigger Aaliyah fans than me. But as I got towards the end, I got really sad because I just, it's that thing about Aaliyah where you think, oh, what could have been? She was so amazing. She was so charming. Her music affected so many people to this day, but even in life it did. And it made me really sad because it's like, I, I almost wanted to close the book and I can't read this right now. It was too emotional for me. Oh, wow. And I, th- and I think it's also a testament to how you craft that because you, there was something in, in the way in which I think I felt like while you were still the author, you were a fan, but y- you were writing it as an author, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Everything you felt was coming out. Um, and I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Um, it's a really, really incredible book. And um, yeah, I, 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 there's a lot I took away from that. So I just wanted to say that off top. I appreciate that. Um, First, I want to go back, way back, to message boards. Kathy, talk to us. What were the lessons you learned from the lesson thread on the OK Player message board? Oh, is this like Nardwar? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Nardwar. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I think when when you when you start your, I'll say your career in that environment, right? Because being just a hip hop fan and coming into hip hop in general at a time where the internet was like flirting with media, right? The message board culture was one of those places where for someone like myself, I felt like a complete outlier where I was living, right? I was the only person who read liner notes for sport, right? I was the only person who listened to new releases when they came out. I mean, admittedly, I was working in a a record store, right? So it wasn't that hard for me to grab something and listen to it. But what the message boards did was um, they gave me a sense of community with like-minded individuals who were processing hip hop the same way I was and even differently, right? Like giving, giving these um, varied opinions, you know, and with the lesson in particular on, on the okay player message boards, that was the place where I credit for my getting my start, you know, as a journalist, as a, as a person who 
had thoughts and didn't know where to place them, you know? So that message board in particular was like something to behold. And I, I really give just okay player in general so much credit for making me the type of writer that I am today because it was centered around this understanding that the artists that we were supporting deserved better. The Roots, um, Dilated Peoples were a part of that at that point. I believe most deaf, Erica, Common, Music, Soul Child, D'Angelo. You know, so you're talking about a collective of artists that were not bubble, were bubbling, but they were still beneath the surface. And then the Roots won their Grammy. Um, and you got me came out and all that stuff. So, so you watch that ascent happen in real time, but it did give me this sense of community and this how to put my thoughts on paper about artists that deserved more than what they were being given in that time period. Because remember we were probably about a year and a half deep into the shiny suit era. And, you know, the stark contrast came with raucous records, like really ramping up their presence. So it was such a split, you know, and being part of that kind of changed everything for me. And then it was brought into the real life, the real world, because the Roots put together Black Lily and, you know, we were out there, I was out there in the snow handing out flyers, you know, and it, it was, it was a time period that we won't ever get back. You know, there are not, there are no individuals in the age bracket that I was 18, 19, 20, who will do that for free, right? Who will defend an artist to the death, but in a way that uses facts and not feelings, right? Because that's the difference between the kind of fandom that we had online back then versus now. You know, we were like, how could you, how could you say that so-and-so didn't get their style from such and such? If you listen to track two on this, you can hear the influence. Whereas now it's like, I don't know how you can like that person. You're ugly anyway. So the defense is very different. You know, the emotions are, I guess, still there, but it's an, it's an entirely different uh, set of circumstances to which people express their adoration for artists. And I quite frankly believe just there are some people out in the ether right now who are just, who just like to fight. So long-winded answer, but yeah, it, it gave me a sense of community. Also. Do you realize how many mics you dropped oh, in that little piece there? I count about four on the floor. Yeah. And they're sure mics, so they're quite expensive mm. too. Like, mm. That say, message board, that massive. message board culture was huge. Yeah. It was huge. I was on the lawn. I was mm -hmm. on the lawn. So that was the little brother site. And I was on OK Player as well. That's how I found out about foreign exchange. And I can really say, like to this day, it really shaped my tastes in terms of the music I liked, what I still look for. And it, it was like a, a passage through time because I got put onto artists like, oh, I missed that. What's this? Let me go and check it out. But you're right. Those those times are never coming back. Mm -mm, not. Mm -mm. Not at all. Not at all. Um, so you've written uh, about Ali extensively as a journalist, right? 
what sparked, I guess the, the question I'm asking is what sparked the idea to write the book? Let's talk about that. When I finished God Save the Queens, I was in defense mode, right? Because I had spent a book where I've been wanting to put this book out for 10 years. And I got to a point, by the time I finished the book, I was like, you know, I was like amped up in this way where I didn't have any idea the extent of the fight that women fought to be visible in hip hop, musicians, not um, executives or journalists. I mean, although they, they fight as well, but I, I, I didn't, there was one in particular, this one story, it was uh, Sparky D telling me the story of how there would be an all male bill on a, um, for a concert, but they would invite her to come. And in the middle of the show, they would call her to the stage to do some songs and everybody was so excited. And she was like, but I was the only one who didn't get the check. And there was a pattern to that where you bill men, women are going to go because it's a networking, B support, C love of the culture, which was a golden opportunity to pull a woman on stage and get her to perform for free. So when I finished the book, the, the stories like that had me thinking like it was it was like much bigger than the idea of, oh, how are we supposed to afford your makeup, hair and pyrotechnics on stage? We can't afford to put you on tour, Trina. Like it was there. That was very much there. But there were there were still things that I had never thought of or because it was uh, an era that that predated my involvement. But it was still something like I finished the book and I was just like in fight mode, you know, and my mom had just passed and I was still in the throes of grief and just trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And the Aliyah book made sense for me because if there were, an, if there was another artist that I so fiercely defended, it was her for, for so many reasons. I defend, I defend her place as a songwriter. I defend her place as a genius of music, um, a, a person who heard sounds differently and repeated them differently. I defend her place as a survivor. So it was continuing along that journey of wanting to defend and want to create something where I felt like I was not revising history, but kind of correcting it or at least adjusting the lens. Like, let's look at this a little differently. You know, the concept of the first lady in hip hop, we always thought it was like on some presidential shit, right? But what if it was really saying first lady because it was, you know, always forcing the narrative that it was the number one because there could only be one? What if it was just making it singular for the sake of being singular because you couldn't have two women in a crew if you're only, if you're identified as the first lady, who's coming in next? The second lady? You know, so when you single out a woman, you're not actually putting a crown on her. You're putting her in a box that she can't break out of. And then you're almost gaslighting her into believing that it's you're almost an ingrate for not 
accepting this regal position. Like when you keep telling someone they're the first, they're the first person to do this, you cut off their ability to do anything else thereafter if everyone else is doing something else. And like, like you can't jump into that because you, you've, you've put a woman into the mindset of like, I'm the first lady of this crew. I could never leave. I'm the first lady. I could never bring one of my girls in. When I, when I think about stuff like that, and then you think about the Aliyah narrative of how she was this muse and this vessel for so many other creators and never fully given the credit of being the creator. Rather, she was the creation. So when you look at stuff like that and you think about it, you're like, you're not giving the full scope. Like you're not like showing the panoramic view. So it was beyond being an Aliyah fan. It was, it was really just in that zone of being like, you know what? <laughs> it's been 20 years. Let's adjust this lens a little bit because I'm quite frankly sick and tired of the way that um, a male-dominated industry has written her into the narrative. Wow. Um, wow. It's making me think of the whole, the whole first lady thing is made me really reflect. You know, I think of Ra Digger, first lady of flip mode. Um, Faith Evans, the first lady of Bad Boy. Olivia. Yeah, first lady of G-Unit and just how restrictive that title mm. is. I never saw it like that. Mm. So look, considering this position that you were in, you want to correct the way that Aliyah has been written about in a, in a male-dominated industry. How did you go about structuring the book and what was your your process in terms of researching facts and telling that story well for one i was actively in the music industry while alia was an artist so i had a list of things that i had wanted to either look into you know debunk anything like I had my own little list and there were some things I was like, you know what, I'm not putting this in. Like this is not going to help or hinder the narrative. It's not going to do anything quite frankly. So I just like kind of took those things out, but I started there. I started with a list of people who I wanted to reach out to. Um, and not everyone wants to publicly talk in any book. It's not even about just Aliyah. Not everybody wants to talk about things publicly. So I, I respect that. But there are, there are some people who want to talk off record and want to give you the story. And then it's up to you to match it up with people who do want to talk and then articles and things like that. So I had a whole bunch of people who were like, yeah, don't quote me on this, but here's what went down. So I had a, I had a lot of that, which is difficult because there were so many things that I, I couldn't match on record. So I just didn't use it. And another writer might have, right. And, and I'm just not that kind of writer. So I gathered, you know, I, I had tons of conversations, you know, some off record, some on record, went through every magazine that ever mentioned her name, um, watched every interview of hers that was available on video and kind of just put myself into this world of 1994 to 2001, just kind of like sat in a seven year span of time. And then once that was done, 
it was figuring out what happened in the 19, 20 years that followed and, and put myself back into that, you know, place because all the stories about Aliyah just kind of like end in the crash, right? Like they don't, they don't talk about just her incredible impact that has lasted two decades. I mean, the fact that this rebirth of hers with this music, this like whole new Renaissance, you don't, you don't get that just because you have a strong marketing campaign, you know, you get that because you are an artist who had a vision. That vision was realized, slept on many times. And then now, only now, in this moment, you have people listening to an Alia song and then listening to a song that's out today and being like, oh, I get it now. She is, she, this new artist is a direct reflection of Alia. You know, because I'm one of those people, Kathy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I, I had a moment, no. uh, not to cut you. Um, I didn't get Aaliyah's influence until maybe a few years ago. And, and I looked around and I looked at all the new artists coming out, the ones that had been established years prior. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. there's the thread. I see it well, now. It's also because for two decades, Aaliyah was just a face on a T-shirt. You know, Um, and we were so wrapped up in the optics because we didn't have the music. Right. So all we thought about was if we saw somebody covering one of their eyes. Oh, that's that's Aaliyah. Baggy pants and a bandeau top. Oh, that's Aaliyah. That's easy. That's a that's a very easy identifier. Right. That's easy. I don't want to say it's lazy. It's easy. But. The other thing is you'll hear production. And you'll say, oh, that person was influenced by Timbaland. But how that person rides the beat is representative of Aaliyah, you know? But we're always just like kind of wrapped up in... Timbaland deserves all credit. He's a genius. But there's there's a way in which only she could hop on those beats and and a way in which only she, because what she did, she was kind of like how Martina Topley bird was with tricky where she was, her voice was, was the extra instrument in the song. And if you remove it, something's missing, you know? So that was something that, you know, now when you hear it, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So, you know, talking about, you know, you're dealing with people who want to share information off the record. Some of the, the stories that were shared on the record, what was something you learned about Aaliyah that you didn't know before starting to write this book? This is like on some like real hip hop shit, but I didn't know that um, one of Aaliyah's cousins was in boot camp click and that's how she got on uh, Night Riders. Who's her cousin? Tech. Yeah. Tech from Smith & Wesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For real? Mad, isn't it? Yeah, when Buckshot told me, I was like, ah! Huh. Like, I was so, like, I was taken because, you know, I love Smith & Wesson. I love Bootcamp Click, like Black Moon, like that, like the whole collective. Um, and yeah, that's why Aaliyah, that's why Aaliyah hopped on that track. Oh, that, that, I never knew that. I love the night. Have you heard the Ninth Wonder remix of that track? Mm-hmm. <sighs> but that was at the prime of... Um, of Aaliyah's career. So the fact that she was like jumping on uh, that track, 
And what's so interesting is nobody questions that. Because why? Well, they're, they're hip hop royalty. She was R&B royalty. And, and I will fall on my sword for bootcamp click, but it's always been the, well, why wouldn't she do that? No, I mean, and even when Buckshot talked about it, he was like, this woman who was on top of the world took time out for us. Like he, like he was the one who said to me, like, he's like, you got Aliyah on tour. She's everywhere. And she came to us, like doing us this solid, like he openly admitted that. But it's, it's also just like, we often just think of like, you know, her being on the Nas track or, you know, or earlier on singing the hook to Junior Mafia song. You know, uh, you don't think about that particular song. And when I learned that um, Tech was her cousin, I was like, wow. That's yeah. crazy. I just bought that album for the people, Bootcamp Click, literally about, mm-hmm. about 10 days ago. I was like, I don't have this. Let me buy it. I didn't know. There, there is for me. There was so much I. There was so much I learned from just just Aaliyah and her influence. Like I, you know, I think about the the part of the book where Babyface was going to supposed to turn up for for a studio session with Aaliyah, and that didn't happen. I mean, can you imagine? Like that's the what if. Like, could you imagine? I know he sent he sent he sent someone right. else in his place, but could you actually mm-hmm. imagine if that had happened? I know that set off a whole thing, but like Aaliyah going to Trinidad to work on Life After Death. Like I did not like I did not know that. Like I did not know that. Yeah. And I'm not claiming to be like I said earlier. I'm not claiming to be a, a massive super earlier fan. I, I appreciate it. But these things like that, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like, just what she accomplished, man. Like, just and and the reason why she was around all these people, like the smoking with Jim Jones. Like, oh my god, like what? <laughs> yeah, I felt that that was an important little point because you know there were some fans like super fans especially who hit me like i knew all this stuff and it's like well the book was you you she already won you over this this book is for people like that who want to re-celebrate her but it was really to open the eyes and the ears of people who underestimated her that's really why i wrote the book you know People who, anybody who picks it up know it's, it's a total love letter to Aliyah. But it's with the intention of bringing in all those people who slept on her. Like, you don't have to convince me. You don't have to convince them. It's convincing the other people who were like, damn, I didn't know she could repeat a note after hearing it sonically. I didn't know she ummed on key. I didn't know that, you know, she choreographed for Destiny's Child. That's the, that's the, that's the, the heart of the audience that you're, because you don't, you don't write books to tell the same story to the same people. That's not even why I write about hip hop. I'm not talking to my peers. I'm talking to the people who underestimate this incredible culture or underestimate the power and the impact of certain artists. And the focus in on women, obviously, is to everybody who underestimates women. So those stories are really just kind of like the glue that puts it all together because I also, the Jim Jones story about her smoking with him and Dame watching Paid in Full is because, you know, 
everybody always says Aaliyah was so angelic and, and she was angelic. She, she gave off this angelic aura. Every person I spoke to either said she was the nicest person they ever met. She made you feel like you were the only person in the room. She hugged every person who she greeted and that she was so angelic. But then there's like people who kind of like, you know, who would kick it with her. And they were like, she was a down ass chick. Like she was, she was just like dope. Like she was, and you, there's only specific ways that you can show that, you know? So showing Aaliyah smoking Jim Jones under the table while watching Paid in Full, that's how, that's, that's how you do that, right? So, you know, it was, it was a great story to include because I just thought it was like, it was just a cool little anecdote that, you know, and, and a lot of the fans hit me like, oh shit, like I love that because they saw her um, at times wearing like a t-shirt that had like, you know, a marijuana leaf and they were like, oh, you know, and, and you never know. What if like Aliyah was like a huge advocate of cannabis if she were still here today and like, you know, medicinal marijuana, we don't know. But the point of the story was really just to show a different side to her personality. It wasn't to like, uncover some dark secret because what is that right but it was just to show that she was just she was cool as hell like that was just yeah it was, no it was, it was i think the way you threaded that in was was perfect because you set the scene very well and it was just like i was like wow i had to read it again it's like she said roll roll are you gonna roll that or what i was like she said that like that's it's, it's amazing that it really and even like gladys knight being her aunt like i these are things i just didn't know and i think for mm-hmm. For anyone who wants to read the book, who are who is a fan of Leah, who may not know much about Leah, who, like you said, want to celebrate her, this is the perfect book for that. It just charts everything that you need to know um, that's pertinent to her career and to celebrate her life, her music, and who she was. This is the perfect thing for that. Um, you spoke about fans. You're a fan. You're also very seasoned at what you do. How difficult, if it was, was it to, as you're going through this and learning about all these different things on and off the record, how difficult was it to separate your feelings as a fan versus being an author and, and, and you know, the, the, and writing the book? It was, it was difficult because I had to obviously move with facts over feelings, right? Like there are points in the book where you can feel my rage in the text, but it's still based upon factual information. I can't, I can't, I can't hide, like, I'm not a writer who can write without emotion. That's what technical writing is for, you know, and I never claimed to be a technical writer. Uh, And, but what I had to do was I had to tell the story as it was told to me. And there are bits that require an analysis as, you know, a critic, you know, but also just, you're, you're, you're putting on a little bit of your investigative journalist hat when you're doing a book like this, especially, but what I had to remember, like remind myself was you're telling a story and my main goal was to protect Aliyah. That was, that was the main goal. You know, it's to, it was to protect her because I didn't feel like she was, protected all that much when people wrote about her over time. So there's not a single person who can open that book and say, wow, you really, you know, threw her out there that, that I stand by that nobody can say that. Um, but that was the goal was to, to protect her, but to also tell the story. And I think that, um, you know, when you get to some of the parts that are a little 
hard to read. They were certainly hard to write. You know, when you get to some of those parts, that's where you have to keep really hard the facts over feelings. Like you just have to state the facts, get them out there and, you know, you know, throw it, throw it out there and do, do what you can. And for me, I'll say this for the first time because I haven't really commented on it. Um, that R. Kelly verdict, for me, I, I had this moment because people kind of came down on me for putting him in the book in the way that I put him in, which was as a completely diabolical figure, right? I didn't know he was going to trial the month this book came out, right? I also wasn't aware of how many people still defended that man. But when that verdict came, there were people who hit me on the DMs and some people who tweeted me and they were like, there it is. Thank you. Like, okay, I, I get it now. And that was really the only mission that I had because now that he's been charged and, and I, and I said this in other interviews, I was like, Hey, after you read this book and I, and I, I still mean this, whereas after you read this book, like you'll never add, like put him in the narrative again. Right. Or at least in the way that he was in it now that he's been convicted and this book is out, which documents just exactly what he did for real, for real. Now we can leave him out for good. So that was something that I, I had my reservations about doing, but after this, after the whole trial, after so much of the information that I put in the book was still once again revealed in the trial, people telling me that what I said wasn't true was now in the trial uh, under oath. You know, it's not, um, there's not like big, like I told you so energy here. It's just like finally the truth is out, and let's move forward. Yeah, yeah. I um, <clears throat> if I was honest, I, I wasn't going to talk to. I wasn't really going to talk much about, dude. Um, but I think the way in which I, th I think the early chapters in the book really helped me understand. I, I for example, like I'm going to talk about it. I had made notes on it, but I wasn't going to talk about it. But like Barry Hankinson, when he 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 left, when he left. R. Kelly resigned in 2000 and sent that letter that, you know, he CC'd the head of Jive and nothing was done. What the fuck? Right? No, like, mm -hmm. all right, I'll rein that back. Um, And even like, and I'm going to say it now, fuck it, fuck it. Just knowing about Dame and Jay, and I'm the resident Jay stan on this podcast, and I love Jay and whatever, 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 but just, just reading like, Yo, Dame was like, yo, I told him and he still did this album. And it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? And I, ju I just, like, there's, that's what I was saying to you, like, there's parts when I was, I've been at the interview, like, there's parts where I was like, you know, this is great and it's celebrating her and, then, you know, you get this, but then this bit where I just like, have to go, what the hell is wrong with us as, as, as people where we, we can't protect, forget if it's a woman, man, just we can't protect someone. And that really just, yeah, that made me really sad. Like, I just like, yo, why, why, wh for whatever reason, why you did whatever you did, why would you still go and do an album with someone? Why would you still go on tour? If there was any kind of allegation, why would you even, and I just didn't like that. Me personally, I didn't like it. Um, 
but I also have to thank you for, I wouldn't have known that. I had not read this book, that information would have not been in, in my hard drive in my brain. I wouldn't have known that. So part of that is to thank you to kind of go, you've, you, you filled the gaps of knowledge that weren't there for me. I just didn't know. I really, and, and, and some of it's my fault because I could have gone out and researched and whatnot. And that's, there's a the thing on me, but yeah, it's um very sad. Well, we're also coming off um decades of denial. You know, I, I don't want to believe that anyone really understood the magnitude of what it was that R. Kelly was doing to young black girls I, uh, and young black men, boys too. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to believe that um, people understood that magnitude and let it slide. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it happened. There's, um, there's a lot of people around him that, who very obviously knew what was going on, but I think as a whole, I think we hear things and, and we kind of develop this idea of what it was that actually happened. And that's why in the book, I also kind of discuss how Aliyah from the start was marketed as older, you know? And I, I said this, I, I said this in, um, another conversation I had recently with younger female artists, the goal is to always bring them to an age visually, sonically, that makes men comfortable with sexualizing them when they listen to them. But with older men singing, the goal is to drop down their age to make it acceptable for the young girls to wanna listen to them. That's, that's the way the music industry works, is making a 40-something-year-old man appear to be 20-something and make a 15-year-old girl appear to be legal because of the audiences, right? That, and it's disturbing as all hell when you think about it, right? But it's like I said in the book where the oldest member of the Backstreet Boys was 27 and the target fan was 13. So... This is, this is a, a, an infrastructure that has been set up, you know, for decades. So when you have created, when you started the narrative with a 15 year old girl saying, AJ, nothing but a number, regardless of who wrote it for her, right? Like I said, he wrote his innocence into that, that narrative. Well, it wasn't his innocence, but he wrote his perceived innocence into the narrative. So from that point on, she was written into it as a, like a mature, you know, as if that means anything, right? So by doing that, by the time Aliyah was of age, she seemed much older, you know? And that's where I think, as a woman, I'll say this, like that doesn't matter, you know? That doesn't matter. The number ain't nothing but a number. The age ain't nothing but a crime, okay? So I don't care what you think, um, how fast you think uh, uh, a young girl is in your own, by your own, you know, construct of like what age means versus experience. I don't give a shit. My whole thing was, she was a young girl. And 
I can argue that up and down the street, but that is something that is a complete rewiring of society. And you can't expect that to happen overnight. Now, maybe, maybe now, after this trial has finally come to a close after how many decades, you know, maybe now people could be like, oh, you know, let's, let's, let's think twice before this young person is spending all this time by, by herself or himself with this older person. Maybe, maybe, or, you know, it's, it's a entertainment industry is wild, man. I, it's just, I I don't, I don't, don't I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how you do it. Like, like you gotta be strong and, you know, we hear these things, right. But like, there's a thing about lifting the veil behind the curtain. And when you have so much information and uh, knowledge of what actually happens, it's very hard to look at the, to listen to the music, to under, like to see people, people are different from what we see. Their public and private persona is very different. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do it. And that's a testament to how strong you are. I can't do it. I couldn't do it. It, it, would, it would bug me out too much. I couldn't do it. I, I don't think I could exist. Well, you know, if you if you write chapters like that and everyone's excited about them, then I didn't do my job. Somebody somebody's gotta get pissed off. Yeah. You know, like I when you're when you're when you're venturing into that part of the game, you can't expect everybody to love it. And as as someone who writes from such a position of love you know i give love in the hopes of like receiving it back but i knew somebody was going to get mad at those chapters because there's somebody defending the other side of the story right so that to me was the thing that i had to kind of develop a thicker skin you know as women, like we're always told in this industry, like, you know, have a tough skin and all this other stuff. Like I, that, that's something that comes with, you know, your job description when you get onboarded. Right. But when you're doing a book like this and you're telling a different kind of a truth, you're bound to get people yelling at you about it. You know, people yelled about some of the stuff in God Save the Queens. Why did you have to go there? Why? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> did I inconvenience you? You know? <laughs> people yeah should, yeah should we should we go to streaming let's go let's go to let's go to yeah um audiences uh you know we've had this ongoing debate over the years about de la souls catalog and access mm-hmm. and um i know Aaliyah's music was in, in embroiled in this thing when's it coming to streaming all that kind of stuff how do you feel about how an artist's legacy can be impacted if it's not readily available on streaming, particularly in the case of Aaliyah, because I would argue that Aaliyah, De La Soul and some other artists may have missed the, the, the streaming digital revolution, if that's what you want to call it. How do you feel about that? And does it, does it impact their legacy in a negative way? Two things. Thank God De La Soul is still here. Okay. So they can continue to build upon their legacy in real time, right? Which has its own set of gifts and curses, right? Because 
de la soul, then the gift is that they're still here and that they're able to, to build upon it actively because they have that opportunity, right? The curse is that they are solely responsible for creating the allure to a younger audience. Whereas when an artist is no longer here, there's this magical, mystical, mythical air of mystery that surrounds someone that can no longer be accessed, right? So it makes the fight for the music that much more alluring because you're, you're developing a picture of someone who no longer exists. There's gifts and curses to that. The gift is it keeps Aliyah's memory going strong to the point where once the music is available, you have a, um, a whole community of fans who were already going to stream the music. And then you're bringing in new people who have waited a really long time to access this on, on streaming platforms. The curse is for decades, you had people making up their own stories about the artist, developing a picture of an artist. It's a different type of idolatry where they, they're no longer understanding that this was a human being who walked the planet, right? This, this was a human. For those of us who were born any time before 2001, we are well aware of the fact that Aliyah was a human being. People afterwards, sometimes the way they speak of her and, to, and, and speak of who she, they think she was, it's like almost conjured up, right? Like I've seen pictures of Aliyah photoshopped um, to look certain ways. Um, you know, there's, it, it's like, um, I said this, uh, the way I compared it was like how you'll go into like a church and the saint statues or Jesus reflects aesthetically the, 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 um, the congregation or like you go into somebody's house and Santa Claus looks like the family, you know, it, it, it it's, it's, um, people have taken aspects of Aliyah that resonate with them and they magnify them. So you're not getting the sum of the parts. Rather, you're getting pieces that get completely amplified depending on the person who's grabbing at it, right? So when you have someone who for, I'll say one decade, because streaming really started like 2010-ish, right? With Aliyah, because people didn't do a good enough job while she was here in the couple of years that followed, what a legend she was, you have kind of like these fans, like I give, I give these new fans a lot of credit because they work hard to adore her and support her and understand her. And yeah, sometimes it can get a little toxic in the way that they develop, um, they idealize her, but they're really the reason why we're, why she had a billboard in Times Square or a billboard in Shoreditch, right? That's there or in Hollywood like that. They're the reason why, really, those of us who who loved her while she was here, of course, were a part of that. But there's only it's only because of the demand of the newer generation of artists that Aliyah, I mean, a uh, newer generation of fans that Aliyah is able to exist in that space. So 
not having an um, access to the streams for people who live their lives streaming, that's difficult. Now, the one thing I will say though, is a true hip hop fan at some point in their lives gets heavily involved with vinyl, right? In some way, shape or form, right? So my hope is that through that fascination and love affair that they'll go and grab De La's vinyls, right? Like they'll, they'll put on the dust mask. Now we got plenty of them, right? And they'll do the crate <laughs> digging, right? So uh, my hope is that the fandom for the culture will allow them to gravitate toward the music in any way they can access it, you know? And my hope is that they absorb it and it doesn't just become a souvenir or a relic of a bygone era. So, because I think there's nothing more sobering than going into an Urban Outfitters and seeing the vinyl and right next to it, the frames for vinyl, because that's what they're showing. They want you to do with the vinyl. Right. They're telling you, they're telling you not to play it. They're telling you to hang it on a wall. Yes. And, and through not playing it, I feel like people aren't absorbing and living the music. It just becomes this, it's an ornament. You're taking vibrations, patterns, sounds, colors, life experiences, and you're just turning it into this almost inanimate object to hang on your wall. It bothers me. Um, another another thought I had about the streaming era is that a lot of us don't own music anymore. It's all on this platform. Like, you know, I was fortunate enough to have some of Aaliyah's music that I could just readily play mm -hmm. because it's in my library. But if I ask the average person, send me an MP3 of Shook Ones, they don't have it. There you go. Like, they literally do not have it. And, and that's crazy to me. Before we wrap up, since we're a hip hop show, tell mm -hmm. us what are some of your favorite um, hip hop collaborations that Aaliyah did. I'll, I'll go for one, and it's a really important song to me. Live and Die for Hip Hop by Criss Cross. She wasn't actually credited as a feature, but she sings mm -hmm. on the record. And I love, that is one of my all-time favorite songs from one of my all-time favorite groups. Rest in peace, Chris Kelly. I'd love to know some of your, your favorite Aaliyah hip hop collaborations. I mean, up and down, I love You Won't See Me Tonight. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it seems like a no brainer, but it's, it's just so strong. It's so strong. And, um, I need you tonight, junior mafia, her version. I love so much. And I do love night riders too. Yeah. I, I really, I really do. Um, another one that is just, I mean, it sounds basic, but her on up jumps the boogie. Like I just, I don't know. I remember watching that video and, and seeing her dance and, and just like harmonize on that hook. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. But my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite Aliyah hip hop collaboration was a song that didn't really hit the light of day, but you can get it on YouTube. It's the radio version of little Kim's queen bitch called Queen Bee, and Aaliyah sings the hook. Um, the, dun, 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 the one that Biggie wrote. Y'all niggas got- No, but excuse, excuse, hold on. It's the one that Kim wrote with help from Biggie. I do apologize. Get it right. I, because, I corrected. your shit right, actual factual. 
Yeah. Because, because let me tell you something that reference track that came out, I need everyone to understand this just because Kim's my girl and you know, the queen bee coming 2022, but I have to, you have to understand this big would rap on reference tracks for how he wanted Kim and his lyrics to sound over the beat. Okay, so people need to understand that little Kim writes her own shit. She got help from the GOAT and she never says she didn't. But little Kim writes her lyrics. So like when the, uh, I need, I need that to just, you know, stick. But on top of that, you know, aside from that, I mean, that the queen bee, yeah, um, Ali is on the hook and she just keeps thinking I'm the queen. Um, I've never heard that version. I need to hear that. Yeah. Okay. That was a um, a very insightful conversation. A lot to a lot to think about, and a lot to 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 marinate on and with. Kathy, you have dropped many mics once again. No, 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 no. no. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. You you are the you are the mic dropper. And um, I also wanted to say thank you. You know when you coined the the when you were in our reasonable doubt series and you you. You you said umlot J, right? And it opened up this whole. You know, like when, you know, like in a, you know, Narnia when they open the wardrobe and then they're in Narnia. That's what it was like in my brain. I'm like, yo, umlot <laughs> J is an actual thing. I made a playlist called umlot J because of you. I appreciate that. I don't know where I heard it from. Like I didn't. I didn't make up umlot J. I know. Um. I um. It's kind of like referred to as his era, mm-hmm. like that era, which is when he was getting back in his bag years a couple of years ago, and he started using the umla right. again. That's where um, I, f- I think I read and I saw people discussing like it was the return of umla J, and like when you go back and you listen to when he had the umla, you're like, oh, that it was it was like almost like a different person, like it's a, a, it's a different person, it's like a, a different Sasha person. Fierce. Yeah, was, yeah, like my yeah, playlist had um, umla J is Sasha. <laughs> It's my, just um, brilliant. <laughs> my playlist had like only a customer in my yeah. lifetime, you know, those yeah. type of tunes. And yeah, you, 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 you helped open it up. I, when I saw Dar Adams, you know, talk about Umlot J and I'm like, yeah, when Dar Adams co-signs it, it's the truth. So, um, in the acknowledgements, you talk about Dar he, he, and you thank him for the, th- for helping write the thank you notes. How, how did he help, help structure it or, <laughs> you know, Dart is a dear friend of mine and um, he, so when we, uh, so when I, I went, when I was doing God Save the Queens, I had hit Dart and we were talking and, and he was, I was like, yo, I was like, I think I'm going to dive in before Shantae and I'm going to go into the pioneers. And he was like, don't forget Mercedes ladies. And it was like, it was one of those things where like, I, I knew who Mercedes ladies were and I, I, but it was like the fact that he went to Mercedes ladies first. Right. I was like, you know, he, he just always unlocks those parts of, um, of the brain. Right. So when I was doing my thank yous, I hit him and I was like, dart. Um, cause I'm on God save the Queens. Like I thanked everybody from, my chiropractor to, you know, whatever. Like I was thanking everybody, you know, it's your first major book, you know, and with um, Commissary Kitchen, I had like a tiny paragraph to, to thank people. So I had all plenty, whatever, where God Save the Queen. So 
when I, I hit Dart and I was like, who am I missing? Or do I leave people out? And Dart's like, if you leave people out, they're going to remember when they were left out. And I was like, yeah, but if I put them in, they're going to expect to be in every one. And, and he was like, well, that's true too. He's like, but there's certain people like, you know, and, and we were just like kind of working through it. And as I was writing the acknowledgements and I was on the phone with Dart, I was writing his thank you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think, I think, I've, got, I've got another podcast idea called with Dart Adams, where you just call Dart Adams on random things and he just gives you advice and, and unlocks things. You can like literally do that. Like I called him the other day. Or no, I texted him the other day about something like, cause I'll just hit him like dart, you know? And he's just, I mean, talk about a brilliant, brilliant mind. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of, he's one of our favorites and, um, and so are you. Oh, I appreciate that. You're my favorites too. See what I mean? I really, really appreciate you, Kathy. And, um, you know, all the success and with the book and just being a voice for the culture, we, re we really appreciate you. And one thing that really stands out to me is that you're one of us in the sense of you are a fan first and you want to document things correctly and tell the right stories in, an, in a factual and entertaining way. And that's not easy. So kudos to you. You always have a platform over here. Appreciate and that. Yeah, no, we love you for real. You are, you are an absolute gem, a queen, and your Thank crown you. will never move. Much love once again to Kathy. I love I love having her on the show, man. Like yeah. we 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 had a great time with the reasonable doubt, but this was fun, man. This was fun. This was fun. Yeah. Mike she's, a, she's a she's a good egg. Really yeah, yeah, good egg. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I want to hang out with her one day. Yeah, man, we gotta do that. We gotta do so much when the world really, really opens up again, right? We've got we've got yeah, so many. We should these. we should do like a, um, you know, like a breaking atoms around the world in eighty days, Willie Fogg style. <laughs> we should just go, bruv. We should just go to America, yeah, and just go check for all the guests, bruv. Oh no! When you say check for them, you mean like run up on them, like you know? Just just pull up, like we go, we pull go, up. we go to um, go to New York. We pull up on um, Rob Markman, Carla Pull Mar. up on Carla yeah, Mar. Yeah, yeah, we go yeah, Boston, yeah. and no, we can't pull up on Dart like that. No, nah, we, 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 yeah, we have to. We have to. We have to send invitation. Yeah, 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 we're not. We're not doing that. We're, we're not, not doing that. that. Yo, we dart. have to send send word. We have to send word and say Dart. We're I, will, be in I will send them. Are you around? Pigeon carrier thing, innit? Like yo, straight up. I'm not doing that. Not not with no with no word of warning. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah, no, no sir. No, no, no. It's um, a checking thing. It's it's a checking thing with Dart. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, a James yeah, Prince yeah. thing. You gotta check yeah, in. You have innit? to check in when you go to Boston. You have to check in with Dart. <laughs> Shout out to Dart. I love that guy. I love that guy. But no, she, Kathy, Kathy, like she gives me um in 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 a good way Maria Davis vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like OG mother energy. But there's like there's there's so much experience there, right? Like mm. you know lived experience. And so much wisdom, and and I love that because I learn so much. That's the thing I love about doing this stuff is learning so much. So, yeah, man. Uh, uh, shout I out didn't to know that um, Aaliyah and Tech were related. You know how much that's blown my mind. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy, isn't it? Honestly, listen, listen. There's things in this book, and there's things about Aaliyah's story that will always come up. But there's stuff in this book that I just whoa, I did not mm. know that. And um. Yeah, it's it's never ever it's never diff it's never easy it's never easy putting together something like this, and Kathy's just done an immense job, man. Really, yeah, man. Really, I appreciate you job. for I appreciate you for organizing that because I know Kathy's a list celebrity now, innit? So yeah, yeah, Vanity Fair, and you that. know, you know, man had to go through through the publisher. You get me? You know, Them you ones know. There. <laughs> but you know, do you know, like, do you know, like, it's it's good thing that we got Kathy for reasonable doubt before she got, you know, super big, you know. You know yeah, yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 it's
it reminds me of when you when you linked me with Odyssey, because his album came up maybe what three months after we linked, and the price went up. Yesterday's price is not today. Okay, that- that's <laughs> yesterday's price is not today's price, but we get we get Kathy's yesterday price. Yeah, we still get the Kathy. Love. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's, shout that's out to Kathy, man. Yeah. She's a gem. She's, she's yeah, a gem. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So no, definitely, if you haven't already, get the book, Baby Girl, better known as Aaliyah. Link in the uh, link in the bio. Yep, indeed, indeed. Right, so you can follow us on social media at Break the Atoms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Chris's personal is at I am Kinetic Minds is at Hip Hop Chronicle. As always, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys from from anywhere and everywhere you listen. We appreciate you. This is for the listeners. This is for the culture. This is Breaking Atoms. Peace and love. Peace.